0: Right. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Just uh, want to say real quickly to anybody here who is a veteran of our armed forces. Can I ask you for just a moment to stand? If you're a veteran, would you please stand? And would you guys please show their appreciation for these guys? Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. We are grateful for your sacrifices that you made. We're in a series that is called, that is called uh, Encountering Jesus, and we're kind of getting closer to the end here. We've got about three weeks left. We've been looking at people that, that ran smack into Jesus and the impact he had on their life. And today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 19. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. And while you're turning there, I'll tell you this quick, amazing story uh, about a panda bear who walked into a restaurant. A uh, panda bear walked into a restaurant and ordered dinner. And the waiter brought uh, dinner, and the panda bear ate. And then the, uh, the waiter brought the check. And the panda stood up, shot the waiter, and then ran out the door. And one of the bystanders yelled at the panda, How could you? How could you do such a thing? And the animal stopped at the door and looked back and, and said, Well, I'm, I'm a panda. Uh, look it up. Look it up in the dictionary. And not knowing what to do, the, the bystander grabbed the dictionary and looked it up, and this is what they found. An Asian mammal that eats, shoots, and leaves. So It's, it's just not... No, it's, it's bad. sorry I know I'm sorry I'm sorry you try coming up with a joke 52 weeks out of the year okay you see what you find out it's a bad one here's the deal though do you ever in your life ask the question how could you how could you I want you to know today in this text we're going to find some people that are going to ask that question and we're going to think about that question today. Let's pray and then we'll read. God, thank you for today. I'm glad, God, that we have an opportunity to say thank you to men and women who serve our country. And we pray, God, that you would protect all the soldiers in the world, that you would bring peace in the world. We pray and look forward to a day. We're thankful that you've promised us a day when there will not be a need for soldiers anymore. We look forward to that day, God. But in the meantime, we thank you for these, the courage and the bravery of these men and women. God, we pray for the people in the Philippines today. And on that side of the world. We don't have a lot of information about all of that, but God, we know there's a lot of devastation there. And uh, we just we beg for your grace, your mercy, for your help. God, if there's ways that we can be involved, we pray that you would help us to reach out. Thank you, God, today for your word. We pray that as we read, that your Holy Spirit would teach us. We invite you, Holy Spirit, We're right this second when we say we invite you, we're opening up our hearts just a bit right now. We're opening up our hearts to you and your word and your message. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. We pray it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Luke chapter 19 is our text. Jesus entered the Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus or he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, "Zacchaeus, come down immediately; I must stay at your house today." So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. I mean, it almost seems like he's desperate. And he's a short guy, so he can't really get his way through the crowd and can't be able to look over shoulders and be able to see. But he's also a man who's used to getting his way and a man that's not used to giving up. And so he looks the way Jesus is going. He runs down the road and he climbs up in a tree. And most of us have climbed a tree in our life, but most of us as adults don't climb trees anymore. Uh, some of you do that for a job, but just for other reasons, most of us don't climb trees. And I've wondered, once he got up in that tree, well, you know, was, was he was climbing? Was he thinking, whoa, wow, I don't know if this is a good idea. Once he got up there, did people kind of make fun of him, laugh at him? Were they ridiculing him? I'm not sure. But I know this, he persisted and he stayed there. He stayed there in that tree. He was undeterred and his patience paid off. But I'll tell you something more interesting than the fact that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And that is, even more, Jesus wanted to see Zacchaeus. You ever thought about that before? There's an urgency in what Jesus says. Come down immediately, Zacchaeus. I must stay at your house. And I want you to hear clearly today how much God longs to be with you. No matter how much you've longed to be with Him in your life, He has desired you even more. And He is saying today, perhaps to some of us very clearly, come down. Come down from there. Come down from wherever there is. Perhaps your self-sufficiency or perhaps... A place that you've gone to that's a place of isolation or a place that's a decision you've made and you won't change your mind. Whatever it might be, there's some place that you're up here in this tree. You're up in this spot. And is it possible that God may be saying to you today, come down, humble yourself from that place. That's the way to invite Jesus to come to your house. That's the way to invite Jesus into your life. And so the first point for us today is simply this, God wants to be with you. There is an enemy, and the Bible says that he is an accuser, that he makes accusations of the believers. The Bible also says that he's a liar, that his language is to lie. And I want you to know that some of you, as you read these words, God wants to be with you. The accuser right this moment is whispering in your ear, not you. Now, that might be true for a lot of people. And John, you know, that guy, might he might be right, but not for you. And you know why, don't you? God couldn't long to be with you. He wouldn't want to be in your presence. You are too much of a fill-in-the-blank, whatever too much of you think you are. But here's the truth. The Bible teaches us God wants to be with you and that's hard for us to believe sometimes because we know ourselves. I've wondered if the angels ever looked at the things that God has done and and they've and they've been a little puzzled or confused. The Bible does say that they long to look into things in the future. So they don't know everything that's going on. They're not Uh, as as smart or or know as much as God does, but but sometimes I wonder if they're ever in His presence, and I wonder if they've ever looked and seen Jesus do something, or seen God do something, and the angels might have said, how could you? How could you love that one at Gateway today? How could you love that guy who's standing up front talking? How could you, God? To which I believe God's response is, how could I not? How could I not? Jesus is this perfect representation of God, and that's what we see in this story. Jeremiah chapter 31, the Bible says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. In Romans 5, we find out, while we were still sinners, while we were God's enemies, when we were in that place, Christ died for us. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. You say, okay, okay, all right, John, that's, that's cool. I understand that. God wants to be with all of us. Yeah, he wants to be with us. Yeah, I got that. I, I mean, like the whole world and like everybody here at Gateway. I, I got that. It's kind of a plural thing. Like if you're from Texas, you'd say, God wants to be with y'all. Okay? Did you guys get that? You Texans understood. The rest of New Mexicans are like, What's, what language is he speaking up there? All right? But this, this text doesn't say God wants to be with y'all. It said God wants to be with you. That's what this text says. Part of the way I know that is because Jesus calls this man Zacchaeus. Calls him by name. He doesn't just want to be with everybody. He wants to be with Zacchaeus that day. And I'm here to tell you today, he wants to be with Heather. And he wants to be with Sam. Sam. And he wants, with, he wants to be with Tori. He wants to be with Cody. On and on it could go, name after name after name. He wants to be with you. For God, it's personal. And I've wondered this as I read this text. How did Jesus know this man's name? There's a guy in a tree. How does he know his name? You're thinking, well, he's Jesus. He's God. I mean, have you noticed that he knows stuff, John? Yeah, I I noticed. I noticed that. I'm with you on that. I got that. He's got supernatural powers. I know all that. But I'm wondering if it's possible, and I think there is a good possibility, that there's another reason he knows Zacchaeus. And here's the reason. Because he ran in his circle. Because he had previous encounters with, with Zacchaeus, possibly. The text doesn't say so. But it's quite possible that he did. And here's the reason. It's the second point. Because Jesus runs with the wrong crowd. You ever notice that? You should have noticed that in the book of Luke. We've been talking about it over and over and over. Jesus runs with the wrong people. In Luke chapter 5, well, let me, let me yeah, in Luke chapter 5, this is what we see. We see that uh, Levi, who ends up being Matthew, and he ends up being one of the apostles, But he's a tax collector and Jesus calls him and says, come follow me. And this is what it says in verse 29. Then Levi gave a big dinner for Jesus at his house. Many tax collectors. And other people were eating there too. But the Pharisees and the men who taught the law for the Pharisees begin to complain to Jesus' followers. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and with sinners? They just can't hardly stand this. That Jesus runs with the wrong crowd And if we understood about who tax collectors were, I think maybe that we would see that this is a big deal. That it really is a bad group of people that Jesus is running with. When we hear tax collector, we think of like an IRS agent. We think of like a person who gets a salary. They get a salary each week, you know, and they're just doing their job, and we may not like what they do, but we know, I mean, they're just a person that's doing their job, okay? We kind of get that about IRS. I like the guy, you guys, a lot of you have seen, this, has been around since 2003. I like this guy who, this is how he paid the IRS. He said, Enclosed is my 2003 form 1040, together with my payment. Please take note of the attached article from the USA Today archives. In the article, you'll note the Pentagon paid $171 each for hammers, and NASA paid $600 each for toilet seats, so please find Enclosed in this package four toilet seats and six hammers this is my payment for a total tax due of three thousand four hundred twenty nine dollars i think next year that's what we all ought to do we ought to send hammers and toilet seats to uh to the government so then it says i am i'm also enclosing a one and a half inch phillips head screw for which hud duly recorded and approved a purchase value of 22 dollars. Twenty two bucks for a one and a half inch screw as my contribution to fulfill the presidential election fund option on Form ten forty. It's been a pleasure to pay my taxes this year, and I look forward to paying them again next year in accordance with officially established government values. Sincerely, another satisfied taxpayer. Do you guys like that? I like that. I think that's a good I, I think that's a good way. So it's not that we like tax collectors necessarily, but here's the deal. We don't completely understand, I don't think, at least at our first reading. Why were tax collectors so bad? Here's the reason. Number one, tax collectors were traitors. They were traitors. The Roman government has moved in and occupied Israel. And and so because of that, they've moved soldiers in, and they've moved governors in, and they've moved their, their governing system in, and they've placed it on top of the people and said, you will do what we say. And in order to support that, they've got to have taxes. And so, where are they going to get those taxes? Well, they've got to get somebody to collect those taxes up. And what they've done is they've gone and they've found Israelites, Hebrews, their fellow countrymen, to go and take money from their fellow countrymen. Not only are they traitors, not only are they traders, but they're also cheaters and robbers because they're not getting paid a salary. They're not getting paid a, a weekly salary and they just got to do, do their job. Bad as it might be. That's not what's going on here. What they're doing is they're going and they have a quota. For this area, you got to raise this much money. Now, anything you raise above that, that's yours. So, however much you can get from these people, whatever you can squeeze out of them, whatever strong arm you can put on them, and so they go bang on the door and they know this guy, this is their neighbor. And so they're going to squeeze all they can out of this guy, more than he would report on his taxes probably on his tax form to the Romans. And so, the Bible is clear to make sure we know that this man, Zacchaeus, not only is a tax collector, but he's wealthy. Well, how did he get wealthy? He got wealthy from cheating, from putting the strong arm on his friends and neighbors, taking from them. These tax collectors probably would be better called a group a group of lying, lazy, turncoat thieves. And so if you can think of some other group like that that applies, then you apply it, okay? I'm going to just keep my, myself out of trouble and not say who that might be. But here's the deal. They were a turncoat, liar, lazy, no good people. They were the wrong crowd. And the people, when he goes to eat with Zacchaeus, we think, what a great little story. Oh, Zacchaeus was a short little man, and a short little man was he, or... A wee little man, I think. You know, who wrote that? I mean, that come from like Scotland or something? A wee little man? I I don't know. Anyways, so there's a little song, you know, the kids sing. And a wee little man was he, and he came down out of the sycamore tree, and Jesus said, I got to go eat with you. And it's such a sweet story. And the people at the time didn't think so. They didn't think that was a sweet story. They're like, how could you, Jesus? How could you do that? To which I believe Jesus would say, how could I not? How could I not go run with the wrong crowd? Do you remember what my mission is? I came to seek and save the lost. If I spend all my time with the found, I'm not going to accomplish my mission. And so the question then becomes for you and I: What is our mission? And our mission, at least one of our main missions, is to go into all the world and make, ba- make to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, from Matthew chapter 28. This is one of our missions. And so I have to ask this question of all of us. Who do we hang around that causes really, really good, good people to say, how could you? How could you hang out with that person? When we hang around people that are not cleaned up, when we hang around people that have horrible reputations in this town or the town you live in, those people that are not found yet, when we hang around them, We are following in the footsteps of Jesus. And our answer would have to be, how could I not? When some of my good friends say, how could you hang out with that person? How could I not? I'm spreading the good news to my lost friends that I love. How could I not? Now, there's a warning with that. The book of Galatians tells us to be cautious when you're hanging around people and you're trying to help people. If someone's caught in a sin, those of you who are spiritual should help restore them but be careful it says lest you be pulled into the same thing so there's a warning there but if we're only hanging around the good people we're missing the boat Jesus runs with the wrong crowd number 3 well let me let me yeah let me go to number 3 when Jesus came to Zacchaeus house it changed Zacchaeus he repented Luke chapter 19 Zacchaeus said uh, in the text we just read a moment ago t- uh, Zacchaeus said, look, Lord, here and now I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. The Old Testament law required that a person pay back others when they hurt them. And that's not a bad principle for us to live, even though we live under the New Testament. If we've taken something for somebody, we ought to pay them back. That's a great way to live. That's a loving way to live. But there was rules in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 6 says this, if you had stolen something from somebody and then your conscience got to you and you're like oh i feel bad i shouldn't have stole that then you're supposed to return it back plus 20 percent. so you cheated somebody out of 100 bucks and you start feeling bad oh, i shouldn't have done you got to bring them back 100 bucks and a 20 dollar bill that's what the old testament says a little bit uh in a different place in exodus chapter 22 this is what happens if you stole an animal and you didn't feel bad about it you just got caught Does that ever happen to you happened to me before done some things wrong I didn't feel bad about it but I got caught and then I felt bad and that and that's human nature that's what all of us probably have experienced at some point in our life and the old testament knows that and so the old testament said you steal a, an animal from somebody and you got it in your barn and somebody goes that's my animal and you get caught you got to bring the animal back and another animal Ooh, double stole a hundred bucks and you got caught got to give a hundred dollars and another hundred dollar bill then the bible said this if You steal an animal and you don't get caught yet. You slaughter it and you eat it and you enjoy it and you enjoy what you've stolen and then you get caught. Now you get to pay back four times the amount. So you stole something, 100 bucks, you spent it, you had a good time with that $100 and then you get caught. Somebody says, hey, where'd you get that from? And you get caught, you gotta pay back 400 bucks. That's what the Old Testament teaches. And Zacchaeus' life has been changed, has been changed by the presence of, of being with Jesus. He sees everything different. It's no longer all about him making money or, or what he can get or prestige or about power. Jesus has come into his life and he has new eyes now to see that the good news extends from him to other people around him. It's not just that he met Jesus and it's good news for him, he realizes this is good news for others around me. I want to tell you that today. When a person becomes a follower of Jesus today, it's good for that person. No doubt about it. That's great. That's good news when a person becomes a follower of Jesus. But let me tell you this. It's also good for that person's family and the friends around them and their neighborhood and the community and the people they work with. Because people's hearts are changed when Jesus comes to live in their heart. And then our eyes are changed to see life differently. And then finally our behavior changes. And it's good for everybody I'm sure his tax collector friends had to have been saying, as he went around and paid back all this money to people over the next several weeks or months, they had to be saying, how could you? How could you do that? To which he would have to say, how could I not? After what Jesus has done, the change he's made in my life, how could I not? And the final point is this. Salvation came to Zacchaeus, and it can come to your house today too. Salvation can come to your house. Zacchaeus could have stayed up in that tree. And it would have been a cool experience. I got to see Jesus. He's really popular. And he came by and he even spoke to me. We had a little conversation and I got tinglies, you know, because he came and recognized me. But you know what? He didn't stop there. He didn't stop with just seeing Jesus from a difference, from a distance, and having a cool story. He took a risk. He took a risk by climbing down the tree and getting close to Jesus. He humbled himself by coming down, by coming down out of the tree. The Bible promises us the same thing. It promises us that Jesus is seeking, and some of you he's seeking today. And today may be your sycamore tree day when Jesus says, come down, humble yourself today. I've got to come to your house today. I want to live in your heart today, and I wonder how you might respond. I love this thing that's in the bulletin that Barbara found for us. If you look, if you want to pick up a bulletin, you can see there it says to realize the value. And it says if you realize the value, you want to know the value of a year, check with someone who failed their final exam. Then they'll then you'll know. The value of a month, how about checking with someone who's got a premature baby? You want to know the value of a week? Check with the editor of a paper. The value of a day, check with a laborer. Ten kids they have to feed. You want to know the value of an hour? Check with lovers who are waiting to meet. You want to know the value of a minute? Check with somebody who missed the train. You want to know the value of a second? How about checking with a person who just survived an accident? You want to know the value of a millisecond? Ask the person who won silver medal at the Olympics. And I want to say this. Do you know the value of this moment today in your life? This could be your sycamore tree moment. This could be it today. This moment. The Spirit and the Word say to you, humble yourself today. Come down, humble yourself. Look at these verses. First of all, we need to humble ourselves and acknowledge that Jesus is Savior. Look at this. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, I'm the worst sinner. But that was... For that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners Christ Jesus might display His unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on Him and receive eternal life. Humble yourself to acknowledge Jesus is a Savior and I need a Savior. If you've never humbled yourself in that way, the Spirit and the Word cry for you to do it today. Humble yourself today to allow Him to be your Lord gives us free will to decide, will He be the Lord of your life? Look at this scripture right here. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Will you today ask Him to be Lord? Will you do that today? Will you acknowledge and come down from that high place that says, I'm Lord, I'm in charge of my life. Will you come down and say, no, He is Lord. I love this prayer that Paul prays because the Bible, God's Word, and the Spirit cry for you today to humble yourself and invite Him to live in your heart. Look at what Paul says. I pray out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul says, more than anything, I want Christ to be invited to live in your heart. That's what I want. And so, humble yourself today. If you've never done that, come down from that place of pride and invite Him. Invite Him to live in your heart today. If you've never been baptized, as we've talked about, humble yourself to be baptized today. And it is a humbling experience to be baptized. Look at what the Scriptures say in Acts Peter says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ or Savior, Lord and Savior. What do we just say? Have you allowed him to be Lord of your life? Have you allowed him to be Savior? So Peter says right here. The people, when they heard this, they were they were cut to their heart. Their heart changed. If that's happened in your life, you, you should ask the question, what should I do? What should I do? And this is what Peter says. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There may be somebody here today who's never been baptized. And this may be that day for you that Jesus says, come down. Come down out of that place. Give your life to Christ. Be baptized today. If you do, if you're a grown man or a woman and you get dunked in water, you're going to have some friends that are going to say, you got dunked in water at church? Are you kidding me? That's what you did? To Which you could say, I did a lot more than that. I humbled myself. I humbled myself. I joined Christ in his death, as Romans 6 says. They may say to you, how could you do that? To which your answer would be, how could I not? how can I not do that? The invitation is to each of you personally today. If you're an adult or a young adult and you understand what Jesus did for you on the cross, that he saved you from your sins when he died on the cross, and you've never been baptized, I believe Jesus is calling you today. I want to come to your house. I want to come to your life. And I encourage you today to accept his invitation. Let's stand and let's sing this great song, Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound.